Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that he has in store for you. Good morning, everybody. And good morning to those who are watching online around the country and around the world. Also want to say hi to those who are in our cafe this morning. So hey to you and especially hey to all those who are are in the house today. Uh, We're going to be starting a new series. And before we get started, I want to... I just invite you to what they said a moment ago. If you've never been baptized, we have a lot of brand new believers in the church. If you've never been baptized, or maybe you were baptized as an infant, or maybe you baptized at one time in your life, and you want to reaffirm that baptism, uh, I'll meet you in the pool next week. Also, if you've been coming for a little time or a whole lot of time, but you've never really seen uh, what the church has to offer, what's the next step, or, or things like that, or ever got to meet me or me to get to know you, uh, we're going to be meeting at the, after the second service next week, uh, and you get a free meal out of it. Uh, you know, if I was to, to, you know, just to say that there was one thing that you could do in your life that is more important than anything else you could possibly do in your life, I mean, far more important than anything else that you could do for your, your family. It's the most important thing you could do for your marriage. It's the most important thing you could do for your relationships. It's the most important thing you could do for your children. It's the most inth- important thing you could do for your parents. It's the most important thing you could ever do for your brothers and sisters. It's the most important thing you could do for, for the people you work with or the people you go to school with. It is the most important thing you could ever do for this country. And it's also the most important thing you could ever do for this this church as well. In fact, it is so important that Satan will do everything he can to keep you from doing it. He will distract you from from ever doing it. And if you do it, he'll try to distract you the whole time you're you're doing it. He'll also try to make you feel that that it's not, it doesn't work. That nothing happens when you when you do it. He will try to get you discouraged as you as you do it. It is so important that we find Jesus doing it all the time. We find Jesus doing it. In fact, the reason Judas knew how to how to find Jesus on the night he betrayed him was because he knew exactly where Jesus was going to be because this is what he did at that time. In fact, also that the disciples asked Jesus only one time that we have record of to teach him to do something. If you were one of the disciples, what would you ask Jesus to teach you to do? I mean, there's a lot of things you could do, right? You could say, hey, te- man, teach me to, to heal the blind. Teach me to heal the sick. Teach me to, to walk on water. That'll impress everybody at the pool, don't you think? Teach me to change the, you know, the, do the, that thing with the fish and bread because that'll save a whole lot of money at the grocery store, Right? I asked one person, I said, what would you te- have Jesus do? He said, I'd, I'd have him teach me how to do water to wine, man. That's what I'd teach him, ask him to do. But here's what they asked him to do. They said, please, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Why prayer? Why in the world prayer? All those other things. 
Because if you're, when you're a child and suddenly you're seeing lights go on sometimes and lights go off sometimes and lights go on sometimes and lights go off and then you put two and two together and you realize that it's every time mom or dad push the switch up, the lights go on and every time they push the switch down, the lights go off that you, you realize the switch is the thing that makes all this happen. And the same thing, I think the disciples were saying, look, it's prayer that is, ma that is making Jesus able to do everything he's able to do. I mean, that, that it is the key. Prayer is the key to his intimacy with the Father. Prayer is the key to his power. Prayer is the key to his miracle working. Prayer is the key to everything that he is doing. So please, 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 Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, as we start this series this week, I am so excited about that. It's going to go for a, for a few weeks, and it is already changing my life. And, and I know there's many of you, you are prayer warriors. You are incredible prayer warriors in this church and watching on, online. And that's, that's awesome. And I pray this just doubly inspires you and, and just gives you an attaboy or girl to keep doing what you're doing. And, and here's what also. I pray this helps you get to the next level in prayer as, uh, as well. And something I, I really believe God said to me to say is this, that the people who think that you, they need this series the least is the one who needs it the most. And for the rest of us, what I pray this does is hope you, I hope you realize how important prayer is in your life. I pray that you see how powerful your prayer can be. And if I was to sum up the whole series for what I want you to do by the end of this series, I want you to realize and I want you to experience that real people, that's you and me, Praying real prayers can have a real power and make a real difference in our life and the, and the lives of those around us. That real people praying real prayers can have real power and make a, and make a real difference. So, so why don't we pray more? What are some of the reasons that keep us besides, you know, just being distracted and our society, society and our culture? Uh, we're going to look at different theologies that just make it and, and see if you can relate to part of this or all of these probably in one way or the other. And the first is deism. Deism is the belief, first of all, it was really popular in the, in the 1700s. Thomas Jefferson was a deist. And, and this was kind of the person that believed that God was kind of like a clockmaker. They kind of they made the clock, they made the world, they made the universe, and kind of wound it up and then just kind of stood back and let it run on its own. Now, these people did not believe that God was involved in the world on a day-to-day -day basis. And these people did not believe, certainly, that God was involved in a personal relationship with anybody on a regular, on a regular basis. And so you may say, well, I'm not a deist, but, but there's a lot of times we function, and we function as if we were deists. Or we think in that way. Imagine this. I mean, there's a lot of people that think, well, God is way too busy running the universe and, you know, we're going with the coronavirus and, and, and trying to take care of the Middle East and, and trying to take care of the famine in Africa and things like this to worry about my little prayers and my little life. I mean, God's way too busy for that. Or maybe you say, you know, God kind of does his thing over here and I kind of do my thing over, over here. And, and maybe one of the reasons, you know, it's not is I've never really invite God to be part of my life. If I need him, you know, then I'll invite him. But otherwise, God just does his thing and I kind of do, do my thing. And can you see that a lot of times we just function as deists as, as well? And then, uh, but here's the problem with that, that, that it's completely against the word of God. Watch this. We're going to take a look first at David, what he said. Then we're going to take a look at what Jesus said. Here's what David said. And just want, I want you to see the intimacy that God wants to have with us. Here it is first in Psalm 56. He says this, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. 
You have recorded each one in your book. And then he says this. I love this, this chapter, uh, Psalm 139. You made all my delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was ever born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I mean, God, God, God even t catalogs your, your tears. God is so familiar with you. He knows everything about you. In fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said he, that God knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows your prayers before you pray them. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. Now, I realize that's for some. That's not a big deal. But, but, but then he also did this. He said we can not only just call him God, we can call him Father or even, even Daddy. Do you see that this is so different from, from the way the, the deist would think or, or thinking that God really is, is too involved in other things to care about our life? You know, the, I think one of the most intimate pictures that we could ever have of intimacy is a mother with her baby. I mean, just that is the, the picture of intimacy, isn't it? Especially with a, a newborn. But moms, I don't care how much you love your child. I don't care how much you care about your child. You don't know how many hairs they have on their head. You don't know, you don't know, collect their tears. You certainly don't know their thoughts before you think them. But that's, that's God. God knows your deepest fears. God knows your greatest joy. God knows what brings a smile to your face. God knows your, what, what brings worry to your heart. God knows everything about you. God knows your hopes. God knows your dreams. God knows your ambitions. God knows all those things. And that's the God we come to, not an uncaring God. In fact, how about this? In fact, if we ever think that God is too busy running the planets to care about you, God didn't die for the planets. God died for you. The most important person in the world is you. The most important person, thing in the universe is, uh, is you. And something else is, is this. So you, first you have deism, but then you'll also have, and I want to say this. If, if you think God is distant and now all of a sudden you realize, you know, God is intimately involved in your life, maybe that alone will take your, your prayer life to a different level. Maybe, maybe suddenly you'll go, wow, God really does care about me. He really does care about my little problems and my big problems and everything in between. But the other thing is, is this, that disappointment is, uh, is, is a big one as well. I, I, if I were to ask you, I don't want a show of hands, how many of you have ever prayed for something that didn't come to pass? And maybe you prayed for something really, really, really significant, and it, never, and it never happened. I mean, maybe you prayed for that loved one, and you prayed so much for them to be healed. And you prayed, 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 and you did all the things you should do. You quoted scripture, and you declared things, and you, you prayed in faith, and they, still, and they still died. Or maybe you're still single, or you've never been able to conceive or you've ne you still don't have a job, or whatever it is, when we come into that situa situation where we're, where we're disappointed and, and things, and I don't even have to ask for a show of hands, because every single one of us have had prayers that weren't answered the way or the timing that we thought they should be, be answered. Every single one of us. And so here's the, here's the thing with, with that as, as well. Like, I remember with my mom who had cancer from the time I was in second grade, and she was only supposed to live a couple of, uh, of months. 
And I watched my mom live for 14 years with cancer in her liver and in her, in her uh, colon and in her bones and everything longer than she should have ever done that. And then I also, I remember praying for her. She was, they called me home from college because she was not, wasn't going to make it through the night. And somehow, not only should she make it through the night, she made it through two years of decent health for, uh, for her. But here's the thing. She still died. And I had this paradox in my life. I had this paradox because I did believe in prayer. I'd seen too many miracles in my life, in her life, in different things. I knew that God answered prayers, but I still watched her, her die. And here's the thing that sometimes it can do, that when we see this thing, sometimes we stop praying. Other times we, 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 you know, we even stop believing in God. And some people, you know what they do? They maybe pray, but they don't pray with the same faith that they prayed with before, and that one was me. That it did something. It was a gut punch to, for a season of my life to there. But then I had to come to this realization. I had to come to this thing. Will I still trust God? Will I still believe in God in the middle of the pain? Will I still trust God in the middle of the sorrow? Will I still trust God in the, in the middle of the mystery? Will I still trust God when I don't understand what he's, uh, what he's up to? Because a lot of times that's where we come to when we're disappointed with God. There's some, there's some people that stop praying. There's some people going, God, I'm still going to believe in you, and I'm still going to trust in you, and I'm still going to pray, and I'm still going to pray in faith even when I don't understand. Some others, it's distrust. That for maybe you've come across a, a, a Christian or a pastor or a televangelist or something like that that was very disingenuous, that they, they were fake. There's no other word for it. They were fake. And it, it caused you to be cynical. It caused you to be jaded. And what you did is you, you threw the baby out with the bathwater. And instead of going, you know what, this is a person who is fake. And this person is fake. He said, well, you went, jumped all the way over here and said, the whole thing must be fake. And, and miracles must be fake. And prayer must be fake. And, and all that. And when you think about it, that's kind of like if you saw a six-year-old trying to play Beethoven and they were absolutely destroying the thing and you came to the conclusion, you know, that Beethoven was a, a horrible composer. Well, no, he's a great composer, but somebody's not playing it in a very good way. And if you're here today after you've lost trust in something I just, and you're, or you're listening online, I so respect you for, 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 still, for still in the game and being in the game and maybe God is saying to you maybe there's something inside of you that you're realizing that if there's something fake then it has, there has to be something real that, that if there's a counterfeit then that means there's something real you don't have counterfeit bills with having a real, without having a real bill and maybe God is pointing something because Jesus said this Jesus said that in, in, uh, in John 2, uh, 2.24 about Jesus he said he did not put his trust in human beings why? Because we'll let you down. We'll let each other down. We may not mean to. And some people let you down because they're fake. And other people let you down because they're human, right? But every human is eventually going to let us down no matter how much they love us, no matter how much they care, no matter how much they try to do the right thing. And that's why we have to put our faith in God and God, uh, in God alone. The other thing is dispensationalism. Dispensationalist is this. It is the belief that God one time was really powerful. That at one time he did a lot of miracles in the Bible and things like that, but he stopped doing that. He doesn't do those miracles anymore. In other words, Peter, uh, the, that the miracles petered out when Peter petered out. That's the way you'd, I guess you'd say it. And, and so I remember my first church. I love my first church. Amazing people and everything. But there was one group in one Sunday school class that this was the theology that they believed because this is what their Sunday school teacher taught them when I first got there. And I remember this young man that, uh, that he went on a mission trip with me and we went on a mission trip to, to Guatemala, I remember. And I remember him praying for somebody that day. 
And I'm telling you, he saw a out-of-the-Bible miracle. I mean a miracle that, that this person had been from birth having this problem, instantaneously healed, completely changed from that time in their life. Now imagine this young man, he was probably about 16 years old when he saw this. It changed his life. He was lit. He's still lit. I talked to him last night, as a, as, as a matter of fact. And I remember him coming and him sharing that testimony of what God had done. And I remember so many people rejoicing and giving praise to God. But I remember this group of people coming over here and, and saying, God doesn't do that anymore. First of all, I'm thinking, what are you doing to this young man trying to try? What would you do to try to destroy somebody's, somebody's faith? And, here he, and, and I remember him looking at me later that night and he said, I don't care what they say. I know what I saw, and they can't take it away from me. And I remember going to a, one of the, the men there that believed that, and I said, do you, do you, and he said, miracles don't happen to him. I said, do you pray? He said, of course I pray. And I said, why? Why? Because either God does things or he doesn't. He either answers prayers or he doesn't. And who are you to say what God can answer and what God can't answer? And there was that same belief with some people in here for, for a, a, a while back. And there were just a, a handful of people. And you know what? They truly believed that God did not do miracles anymore. And I remember talking to one of those. One of those people confronted me and said, God doesn't do miracles anymore like that. And here's the weird thing. As I started to talk to him, he had been healed at a, at, at a, at a prayer service we had. I mean, he had had problems with his back for years. Boom. Instantaneous healed. Boom. Did not have problems. And he's testifying that. And I'm saying, wait, wait, let me get this straight. You, by your own admission, you were healed, and you know without a doubt that you were healed, and now you're believing that God doesn't do that anymore? Do you see the problem with, uh, with this? And I confronted the person who had who'd started that theology and everything, and I, and I said, first, show me that in the Bible, that God doesn't do miracles anymore. And of course, he couldn't. And I said, let me get this straight, too. What do you do with the millions of miracles that, are, that we've had in history and around the world even to, today on a regular basis that God does things that blow our mind. What do you do with that? Do you think it's fake? Do you think, it's, do you think they're all making a mistake? And I said this, can you be intellectually honest and just say this, that there's some things you've had an experience with and some things you haven't, and that you're, there's some things you're comfortable with and some things you're not? Because we have to come to this conclusion in our life. We are either going to base our entire theology around, around what the, you know, our, our experience in life, what we've experienced from God or what we feel comfortable with, or we can base our theology on what God says and who he says he is and what he says he can do. Yeah. Amen? And if we do this over here, I make God into this little bitty God of my own image, and he's this little God, and of course I'm not going to pray much, Right? But, and I'm not going to believe much because we, I've made this God this little thing. But if I believe this over here, man, I'm going to pray like crazy because God can do anything. And I hope and pray God blows me out of the water with what he can do. I pray he expands my, my experience of, of things that he takes, takes me to places I've never been. Amen? Yeah. And another thing is, uh, is this, is disgrace. That so many times we've been, we've blown it, right? And sometimes we really blow it. And there's people that, that, we, that Satan can hold us at bay and say, you know what, I'm so ashamed, I'm so unworthy that I'm not even going to pray to God anymore, or very little, and things. And, and there's a lot of people like that. We're like Adam and Eve, that, that when they, they sin, they, they, they hid from God. They, they tried to hide, and we do a lot of hiding from God. And here's what, uh, and I want you to hear this. God is a God of grace, not a God of disgrace. God is not a God of condemnation. 
He's not a condemnation. He's, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 8, 1. But now I do want to say this too. If you're living in complete rebellion against God and God's saying one thing and you're saying, spitting in his face and saying, I'm not doing that, but I still want you to answer my prayers, maybe, maybe we're missing a, some, something there. And uh, the Bible in Psalm 66, 16 says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have, have listened. But for all of us who aren't living in, in, in intentional rebellion against God, but we blow it on an everyday basis, we can either do one of two things. We can either focus on sin or we can focus our sin or we can focus on our Savior. If we focus on our sin, we're not going to try to pray very much. We're going to hide from God. But if we focus on our Savior, we're going to want to pray all the time because we want to get rid of that sin, right? And I want you to notice something that all the things we talked about, every single thing we talked about with the deism and the dispensationalist, it's, it's Satan trying to keep us away from intimacy with God. Saying God is not as powerful or he doesn't care as much as he once did. God cannot be trusted. God is not, you know, God is distant. He doesn't care about your life. And he can't forgive you for the, of the things. And so notice that. Understand who the enemy is and understand what he's wanting to do to keep us away from, uh, from, from prayer. And so, but here's the thing that we need to understand. Don't come to prayer thinking, thinking that we do something f that it's for God. All right, we don't go, yeah, I need to pray. You know, God wants me to pray. I need to do it for him. No. And don't just do it get, to get things from him. God, here, I'm going to give you my shopping list. I need this and this and this and this and this. What I, I'm telling you, our prayer life would change if we just came up with one word, that prayer is something you do with God. Because God is a with God, isn't he? I mean, think of it. He created us to, He created us so we could be with Him. He could, God Almighty created you so you could be with Him. In fact, God did this, something incredible too. God came to earth and called Himself Emmanuel, God with us, right? And so then He, he died on a cross so we could be with Him. And then he, he's, he's prepared a place in heaven for us so we can be with Him for eternity. God is a, a with, him, with Him God. And so, you know what, in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the purpose of prayer. We're going to be talking about the power of prayer. Don't miss it. Today, I just want to briefly talk about the posture of prayer. And that's just what the, you know, our approach to, to prayer, that's what I'm talking about. And, and here's the, the, the thing. If you ever wonder why prayer may not be real in your life, maybe it's because you're not real in prayer. Maybe it's because you never let down your hair and be real that there's this facade that you come to God with, that you, there's this pretend thing that you're a person that you come to, to God with. Maybe you're, you're like Sister Mary Clarence in Sister Act. children or anything to be to be fake with us or not not uh, see the the real thing here's here's what i want us to see prayer becomes real when i become real prayer becomes real when you become when you become real and and first thing is is re use a real voice and real words 
Have you ever seen so many pastors are sometimes bad at this that all of a sudden they, they, they change their voice and they start using these Elizabethan words, you know, of Thou God, oh God, I beseech thee. And, you know, I mean, these, and you're going, and I remember just praying, going, well, who are you? What, did, what in the world happened to, to you? And I think probably God sometimes does the same thing. Have you, would you want your kids, what would you do if your kids came up to you and started speaking to you in a different voice and, and using all these big fancy words that they never ever use normally? Wouldn't you go, snap out of it, what are you doing? Just be yourself, be real, I love you. I'm not, who, who do you think of you're impressing with these, uh, with these words? And the second thing is, um, is talk to God in a real way about real life. John Mark Homer said this, prayer is when our, your deepest desires, hear this, prayer is when your deepest desires and your hopes and your fears leak out of your mouth with no inhibition. It's when you talk to God with the edit button in the off position and you feel safe and heard and loved. Remember this, that God, God cares about every, not just the big things in your life, God cares about the little things. He cares about your homework assignment. He cares about your test that you have this week. He cares about the meeting you have this week. He cares about what's going on at, at, at home. He cares about what's going on at work. He cares about your family. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your relationships and your, your boyfriend and girlfriend. He cares about your finances. He cares about your career. He cares about your hopes. He cares about your dreams. There's nothing that he doesn't, doesn't care about. So we can be real with, uh, with God. And sometimes maybe, I want to talk to guys just a moment here. Because sometimes we, we're not good with our emotions sometimes. Sometimes we're not good with our, you know, with our, our feelings. Maybe you were taught that you don't share your, real, your deepest needs or anything like that. And, and maybe you've been modeled that. Or maybe that's just what culture is, has, has taught you. And if that's you, may I, may I give you an example of somebody in the Bible whose name is David. And David is a man's man. I mean, David was the ultimate warrior. In fact, there was a top 40 song about him that said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. He was a mighty, mighty warrior. He was also an incredible leader. I mean, every man wanted to be like him and every woman wanted to be with him. And you watch him, you read the Psalms, and he was so gut real with God. Man, he let his emotions out. He was so, there was no facade. There was no pretending. There was no posing in any way. He was just real with God. He got in the ring with God. And there were times he was just going, God, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. And there were times on the other side, he's going, God, I love you. You are so awesome. You're incredible. Thank you, God. And I don't know about you, I've gone in the ring with God. And I've gone to the ring with God over here and said, God, I'm mad at you. I've screamed at God before. I've yelled at him and said, God, I don't understand what is going on. And you know what? He didn't kill me. And he didn't punish me. In fact, it felt like God was saying, now we're getting somewhere. And, and so here's the, you know, and, and, and here's what happens too when we, when we do that, when we're, we're real with God. I, I think of the, the most powerful prayers I ever prayed weren't coming up here and saying something like this. There when I just go, God, help right now. Just, God, help me. Help me, help me. Or over on this side going, God, I love you. You're so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And anything in between when we're just real with, with God. And maybe it's more like this.
be real with God. God wants us to be real with him. That's the posture. Now, don't get me wrong, because David was extremely respectful and honored God deeply, deeply, deeply. He never accused God of doing wrong, never did that. And that was before the new covenant. Imagine that, that he was that real with God. Here's what Hebrews says. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need him the most. The, the word in the Greek there is parthesia, and this is what it means. All outspokenness, when it says come before boldly, all outspokenness, frankness, bluntness, assurance, confidence, and boldness. Real people praying real prayers can have real power and make a real difference. Amen? Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.